All right. Today's Wednesday, October 11th. And last night, I did not get a lot of sleep, Colin. Um, <laughs> thank God the Phillies game started at five because if it started at eight, I don't think I would have slept at all. Uh, took a long walk, did some reflection. At the end of the day, that was an incredible play. And they're 1 1. If you would have told me last episode you're going to be 1 1 going into game three, I would have taken it. Uh, the way you lose kind of stings, but you get a day to recover. And the Braves are putting out a lot of bulletin board material, um, talking shit in the locker room, going on a, a red carpet, uh, like take walking the red carpet lined with fans to get on a plane. Like they're like they're just, I don't know. They they seem to be pretty high and mighty after game one. That every single person in Atlanta thought the playoff format in baseball was broken. So. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm ready. I'm confident. 1-1. Bad loss. Um, my opinion on the last play is that people are saying, what a oh, base running error by Bryce Harper. I don't think that it really was a base running error. Obviously, he got doubled up, so it looks like he has no idea what's going on if you don't watch a lot of baseball. People are saying the idea was if that ball gets down, he has to score. In that exactly. Situation game, you can't you can't expect score. you're getting another hit. So you gotta With, go. If he catches go. it, you're done anyway. Yeah. So people are saying he should be standing on second. If he's standing on second, catches that ball, he runs back. Now, oh, now it's two outs, guy on second, or guy on first with seven, eight, nine coming up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, what are you gonna rally Stott and and Marsh, who hasn't gotten a hit all postseason? And then Rojas behind him, who is not necessarily a great, a great hitter. Uh, and if he's standing on second, that ball drops. Acuna is right there. Michael Harris is right there. Um, it's like eight seconds to get second to home. I don't know if you know, but uh, if you're, it's a baseball relay, the professionals can get it in within eight seconds or anything that hit the wall would automatically be a triple. There's a reason why triples don't like triples never happen. If Harper's standing on second flat footed with, by the time that ball hits the ground, he's not even going to get sent home. So whatever, that's a, that's a roll the dice, take a play. It's like, you're trying to jump a route or you're, you're trying to go for a steal when you, when you're kind of out of options. So it's not necessarily a bad play. It just, it, it didn't, it didn't work out. What it reminded me of would be like, and jump routes. Funny. You said that it reminded me of like, there's just some DBs and like there's guys like Ed Reed, Troy Palomalo, guys who just knew the game at such a higher degree that, you know, let's say they got like a false start on a on a kick, like a field goal, and it got a first down and everyone was like, or not a false start, sorry, like an offsides. Everyone was like, oh, that idiot, like whatever. It's like, no, he's trying to time the snap count because if he doesn't block this, they lose. So he'd rather go 100% for it. Like it's the same thing. It's like, Bryce Harper pretty much told himself, if this ball lands, I score, we tie the game. If it doesn't, then I'm out and doubled up. And if it's somewhere in between, if I'm on second base, who's to say I get home from third? This is our chance. Yeah, exactly. I And he almost didn't get doubled up. So it's not like it was so, they say, go as far as you think you can get back. It was like a split second. So mm-hmm. it's. It's he almost made it to, back to too. That's he almost game. made it back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, he almost got back. He was like all the way around the frame. So heading back, I'm feeling Nola at home. Mm-hmm. People, obviously that loss was hard. 
Um, last year, Phillies lose game two, win game one, lose game two to Atlanta, go home, take care of business, move on. Lose game one, win game one in, in San Diego, lose game two, gave up a four nothing lead in that one, come back home, win three straight to go to the World Series, win game one in Houston, lose game two. And they come back and they rally and they win game three. Obviously, they don't go on to win the World Series. But they've proven that they can get punched in the mouth and keep moving forward and take care of business at home and put put stuff behind them. Um, the Braves still have not named a starter for tomorrow. They said they're still talking about their options, either Bryce Elder or some combination of an opener and a bullpen game against Aaron Nola, who's been sharp in the playoffs in the last month of the year. So... Pitching-wise, they have an advantage. They're at home. I feel pretty good. And if they win game three, I feel Tomorrow's really good a must about their win. chances. Tomorrow's a must-win. It win. is a must-win. Yeah. But I think they have the advantage mm-hmm. pitching-wise. If they lose tomorrow, I, yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Maybe you can get back to Atlanta and hope something happens. But uh, if you win today, you're in a really, a really good spot. And I think that they will win tomorrow. Yeah. And I think this is just another, you know, again – the Phillies, the Braves. I mean, this this is you know, you never know what happens in baseball, but like this is the series of the playoffs. At least For you sure. know maybe we get a better World Series, but it kind of was last year. Even the World Series last year was kind of meh. The Padres, uh, that the clinching game for the Phillies against the Padres was awesome, but like Braves Phillies felt like the NL you know Super Bowl last year. Almost. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that I'm thinking now and kind of a branch off of this going off, you know, some stuff we talked about last week is I wish this was a seven game series. I Mm -hmm. think the solution for baseball is you can go back to the one. I think, I think the third wild cards overkill. I think after rethinking from last week, two wild cards, if you want to do a three game series, that's fine. I realize, you know, ideally you cut like, you know, 50 games off the season or whatever. That's not going to happen. You know, baseball is one of the few sports that relies heavily on the gate more than the TV rights deals. Just bringing people in the ballpark 82 to or 181 times a year from each stadium. I think they need to make these series seven games. The three Mm -hmm. games is super exciting. It's awesome. But like Zach Wheeler has had I'm, I'm a Mets fan. Zach Wheeler got traded in the Carlos Beltran trade former first round pick of the giants had two Tommy Johns with the Mets. He's, he's a fragile arm who is unfucking believable. The fact that he can't pitch twice in this series, because if you brought him back at a game five, you couldn't take more than like three innings out of him without. He really would know, well, it'd be, it'd be four days off. So he would probably, it'd be a shorter leash as any like elimination game, but he mm-hmm. would be starting in, in game. Okay. So wait, five, but it would, off. but it would, because it would be you play Monday and then you're off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, four days off, and then he would pitch on Saturday. Oh, so he would probably be, he'd be on day. full rest. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah so, four days rest. So there isn't a, the way that they have it set up with today being a not being like with it, with the travel days, AL, NL, it works out where it's four days rest. So it's like not full rest during the regular season, but it's good enough playoff rest, which we saw him do last year. Okay. Yeah, so I guess it's not three days rest like I thought, which is a miss. That's a misstep by me. But regardless, I think seeing seven games in these series would be awesome. Like, you know, there's seven game series historically where where you get a guy who can go, you know, he'll go two full starts and then give you four Mm -hmm. innings. Like, I think that's the stuff that's awesome. And like, 
the the more and more I see baseball, the more I think some of these teams are getting top heavy. And I think a lot of times when we were younger, we would get into these, you know, ALDS and there'd be a clear talent advantage from like, you know, the top one, two, maybe even three teams nowadays. Like, I guess the Diamondbacks are like a little worse, but like sign me up for two seven game series to get to the world series and a third seven game series. Don't give me all this crap with the wild card. Maybe give me one game best two out of three between two teams, whatever, just try and get me the best. Cause play- playoff baseball is awesome. I was saying last week, like when your team's not in it, it definitely gets a lot worse just because baseball is a sport that's harder to get invested into. But like, I'll be honest last night, Monday night football was on. I, I, it was a bad game, but still I couldn't care less. I wanted to watch Phillies Braves. Yeah. And baseball is the one, the one playoff where everything it's the only, it's the least amount of games that you have to win. Other than football, mm-hmm. obviously, but like compared yeah. to basketball and hockey, and I don't think they're ever going to take games away. It's kind of like toothpaste out of the tube, uh, but they could go to seven in in this round, which makes a lot of sense to go from a five game series to just a seven, uh, like five. This is such a big series. Five games almost doesn't seem like enough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think you could even say the same of like um, trying to think the AL. Like the Orioles right now, they won a hundred and something games of the one seed. Yeah. The Rangers are an awesome team who, you know, fought it out with the Padres all year. And then they come in hot. Like for the Orioles, if you lose tonight, it's over. Like doing down 2-0, baseball home field matters a lot. But like still like down 2-0, even though you're going back on the road, like you can you can do something there. And if in a best of five down 2-0, like if you get caught flat footed game one, you're you're almost like the the Braves almost two years in a row just got ran off the field after having historic seasons. Like I think I think the seven games would be a really good way to go. And I don't know if that if that means you have to get rid of the wild card. I'm here for it because I don't think any single one of those wild card games played had anything close to what we saw last night, which was just an incredible baseball game, which you rarely hear people talk about these days. Yeah, and. uh you said the Diamondbacks are like the only team that's a little bit worse, and they're they're up two zero. One yeah. of the best, like one of the best teams, and the Dodger postseason struggles continue. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could be part of it too. It's like you they barely get over five hundred. Do they deserve a chance to to play for the World Series, being that sixth team in? But here they are; they're going to probably likely be in the NL NLCS. So yeah, that's and the I other think thing there is the doors right there for the Phillies to host that as a exactly. potential five seed. I think there's um there's something to be said too about I don't know exactly where to sit with this just because my baseball takes are so Mets derived but similar to that Mets team last year against the Padres um and similar to just how the I'm not necessarily going to say the Braves cuz they did win a World Series recently um but the Dodgers especially like i think there's something to be said about these some of these teams are 162 game teams versus playoff teams like if you look at the construction of the Phillies roster right you have yeah. two top top tier starters and then you have two if you count Ronald Muto three superstars who are covered in the lineup by just dudes who can they're not going to hit 300 but they're just going to hit bombs like if they run into one or two in a series, they can change the series. It reminds me a lot of that Padres team from last year. Like 
the Padres, you know, Soto didn't have a great year. Machado, actually, I think he did have a Machado had a pretty good year. But regardless, you need to the way I think the postseason differs is a team like the Mets last year, who like outside of Alonzo and Lindor didn't hit a ton of home runs. They got on base, you know, they almost like that Royals model, which is funny because the Royals ended up winning. Um, but you know, I think you really need to think about these, you know, postseason rosters. They need to be built around like two top, top, top tier starters. Like the the two bra- guys the Braves have at the top of the rotation are not like anything that scares you in the postseason. And then anyone in your lineup who is not like a star hitter has to be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah. Like that's I think that's something to be said about that. And I'm 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 workshopping that take, but like the Dodgers keep running into shit like this and there has to be a reason. Like, I think it's something to do with the fact that like all these guys that they like unearth and like almost like the Miami heat of baseball where they like turn like a, a cast off nobody into like a, a really good player for a couple of years. A lot of those guys just aren't good enough to hit against top tier pitching every single at bat. And I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah. Um, I feel good I, on the not nervous meter. I am not nervous, so I'm excited. I'm more excited. It's fun. You got to embrace it. Um, Cause you watch 162 games for, for one game, mm-hmm. like in season equivalents, it's like watching a whole season of football and you get like four minutes. It's like college overtime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like you watch. So, and you just, I don't know, this team has faced a lot of adversity this year. Um, and they're coming home. They've shifted home field advantage. Yeah. So it'll be very well, well. We'll see what I have to say next episode. Hopefully it's going to be different. It's going to be start off fiery one way or the other. Exactly. So uh, the rest of the baseball playoffs, Astros won today already, which that's a whole other story. You're, you're talking about a team that's like built for the playoffs. Exactly. But also, that game first pitch was three Oh seven central. Like talk about that. This is the semifinals of each league and it is a Tuesday. And at, even, even if you take Eastern time, cause I know the whole world's based on Eastern time four Oh seven Eastern time. Like people are still working. Like people are in school, yeah. I didn't see a single pitch of that game. And like, yeah, I had to work a little later today, but like regardless, like that's something that, I'm probably not going to watch the whole game, but I might casually tune into while I'm doing something else. And, you know, gives you more exposure to guys like a Pablo Lopez on Minnesota, or I mean, Carlos Correa has been pretty famous before, but like a Royce, what's his name? Like Royce young Royce, whatever the yeah. the sh- third baseman, like former number one overall pick. Like these are guys I don't know a lot about, and I would love to watch them play a little bit, at least if it's in the background while I'm doing something like the MLB has got to figure that out. But, I think they've been the them and the NHL are falling way behind the NBA and the NFL commercially, I think, yeah. and just the delivery of sports, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Is there anything else about the MLB playoffs you wanted to hit on? Uh, no, diamond diamondbacks have look like they're going to advance. Rangers look like they're going to advance. Um, yeah. The Astros are good. So I think it's, it's going to be Astros against whoever wins the, uh, this Philly Astros series. Rangers will be fun. It will be fun. And the, the Astros are the Rangers are great. If we're talking the little gambling futures, I have the Phillies Rangers World Series 100 to 1. So, in a pretty shit. good spot. <laughs> um, so 
Rangers look good. Really must win for that bet. Because if we get both those teams in the semifinals, could be might have to hedgings for Gardeners, but I might have to to explore. Maybe you just take Houston. Like you keep your own team out of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, there's no way I'm betting against the Phillies. So yeah. So um speaking of your teams, so obviously this week, UMass. Penn State, that's not a big – that's not even one that you really even consider upset potential. But It's great. Well, we were on the bye this week, so we got three weeks to prepare for yep. for Ryan Day and that uh, Ohio State offense, who came out a little flat uh, as someone w- who on the show picked Maryland plus 20 and a half, and by the time they bet it, it was 19 and a half. Uh, that field goal was pretty brutal, pretty yep. unnecessary. <laughs> And that's going to be a big source of revenge in a couple of weeks for me personally. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I watch I watch the whole OSU game like I do every week. I think this is the defense looks fine. I'm not worried about the defense, especially because Penn State's offense doesn't really have like a huge difference maker on the team. The guy with the hyphenated last name is probably your best receiver, but he's nothing crazy. Um, not compared to at least, you know, the weapons you've had in the past dating back to like Allen Robinson, Godwin, mm-hmm, Chris Godwin. Yeah. Um, KJ Hamler. Yep. The, then the most recent guys were, uh, Johan Dotson Dotson. And then last year, Parker Washington even was, mm-hmm. he had a great game against Ohio yeah. State and he was a good some little NFL, player. Some NFL tight ends in there. Saquon, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. No so, one like, no one that, that's highly touted this year compared to some of those other NFL guys. Yeah, and I think Aller, like you, you've been you've watched him more closely than I have. I watched the whole Illinois game, the whole Northwestern game, parts of the West Virginia game, parts, and eh, not really much of the Iowa game. I'll be honest, but I don't know if he's at the point that a lot of people kind of expected him to be at this point. And your guy's offense, like his average depth of target, gets like six yards. There's not the explosion that came from guys like. You know, Trace McSlorley, obviously, but even a guy like Sean Clifford was pretty frisky. Like he he could like kind of manufacture explosive plays in a weird way. Like last year against Michigan, remember he had like a 96 yard touchdown run or something. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know. I th- it seems like I'm, I'll be honest. Both the defenses have been better than I even thought they would be at this point of the year. And I thought both of them were going to be good. Both offenses have been extremely underwhelming. And it makes me feel like that. Penn State Ohio State game and we can hit on it a little bit now and then next week that'll probably be a big chunk of the show but that I think something's got to give in that game you know like they both play bad teams this week you know I Ohio State I think is at risk not to cover against Purdue I'd be shocked if they lost Penn State has another buy essentially so is there anything that you after watching Ohio State last week after seeing Penn State all year, is there something that you think there's an advantage either way in this game as of right now? Or, well, if we're if I'm I'm feeling in an, an analogy mood today, you ever go to the uh, the track, the horse track? I've been once or twice. Been, yeah, yeah so, and they're waiting, and the the gun goes off, and your horse is is out in front. They're running ahead, and then you're you're yelling, "Where's my horse? Where's my horse?" We're coming around the stretch with Drew Aller and the jock James Franklin. Jockey James is about to let him loose. I think they've intentionally been been keeping him out of harm's way. Don't want to show too much. Also, one of the few quarterbacks I think without an interception this year. Um, that 
I'm pretty sure there's not many and he's up there or at least very high on the list for touchdown to interception ratio. So he's taking care of the ball. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're really going to open up the playbook. Penn state, this offense has not been very, uh, like high flying air raid. Uh, I've seen more wing T formations and power T than I ever have in my life as a football fan. So I think I'd be surprised if that's the main game plan in Columbus, but I think we might see some, some trickery and some changes going on in the playbook. I think they're just don't want to break them out before they have to, or knock uh, Aller's confidence before they have to. But I think it'll be a great game. Great game. Either way at uh, the big noon kickoff, which is, Another aspect of Total game, bullshit. Which, people, which people were waiting on. Um, yeah, that one's tough. I hate the new Fox. It's not that new for us anymore, but when we started school, big noon kickoff wasn't as big of a thing mm-hmm. um, outside of the Michigan-Ohio State game, which is, I mean, that's like part of the lore, I think, is that it's at noon and, you know, all the students are up super early and yada, yada, yada. But um, I think... We can we can close out the Penn State Ohio State piece of this and then move on to what happened last week and then maybe Oregon Washington coming up. But I think it would be interesting just to hear both of our what's the thing you're most confident in going into the game, and then what is the thing that you're most worried about, whether it's your own team or the other team. And so for me personally, the thing I'm most confident in, I think that Ohio State's corners. I think anything on the outside, Ohio State has the advantage. Even though Penn State is a really good secondary, Ohio State still has Marvin Harrison Jr. We saw last week on an ankle injury when teams like Notre Dame try really hard to take Marvin Harrison away. Emeka Abuka, I don't know if he's going to play this week. I bet he'll be ready for Penn State, though. I think that they have more talent on the outside than anyone in the country, and despite their O-line and quarterback issues, there's an advantage there. And then I think their corners against Penn State's receivers – I think I'm very confident they can avoid giving up the big play. On the other hand, things I'm worried about. Ohio State can't run the ball whatsoever. Penn State's run defense isn't as good as their pass rush, and Ohio State's pass blocking has been better than their run or run blocking. But I think Chop Robinson can wreck the game, and I think that Manny Diaz could cook up enough blitzes too to confuse this younger O-line, get in Kyle McCord's face and force him to make plays and maybe – get him into making a few mistakes that could bring him to the point that he, because remember he makes those big pays against Notre Dame. He didn't have any mistakes. He didn't play great, but like, I wonder what's going to happen if he goes out there and he throws a first quarter interception. So that that's my biggest concern right now is the O-line and the young QB not being able to handle that upfront pressure. Yeah. I, that's funny. Cause I actually was not, I'm not as worried about the secondary and the outside. Marvin Harrison obviously is great. I don't know if he's lived. Obviously, the the bar was incredibly high. Yeah, but he's not someone who the way it was talked about was was Heisman top five Heisman odds Heisman conversation. And yeah, so I never thought got, that was too realistic. That's so hard to do as a receiver, especially after you've busted onto the scene. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Coming out, but it hasn't really been like a, a clinic. Like I necessarily thought it would be part of that might be, I don't watch Ohio state as much. Part of that might be, they don't need him to be They part of it is, is the game script that they're winning games and it could be some Kyle McCord. He said ankle injury. So there's things that go into it, but uh, with the Kings on the side, 
for Penn State. I'm confident in them. The thing that worries me is uh, the run defense when we've played teams that have a good offensive line has not been great. West Virginia ran the ball like considerably well and was at least getting into the second level. Um, but you said that you guys can't really run the ball. So hopefully not that, at all. Like one of the worst that, run offenses I've ever seen. In OSU. Well, then we might, it might be uh, a movable object first unstoppable force and then movable object first unstoppable force on, on different aspects of the game. So I just hope it, I, it will be close. Cause that's how these teams play each other. Yeah, uh, it's just been they really like. I was not a Penn State fan before I went to school there, so I really have not ever even seen Penn State beat Ohio State and felt uh, some type of way about it. Yeah, hopefully this isn't the year, but we'll see. I mean, this is I'm in the years past. The reason I haven't felt super confident going to this game is because the history of this game, and you never know. This year, I don't feel confident going to this game because kind of reminds me of our freshman year because i just don't think this team's very good yeah that's fair it's gonna see what it's gonna come down to what quarterback either makes a big play or doesn't make a mistake the teams like mirror themselves i mean there's different like penn state's running backs are way better than their receivers ohio state vice versa but like in a way it's like two young qbs I mean, obviously you guys have Olu, but like the rest of your lines eh, and like offenses haven't been great, really good yeah. defenses. You guys have a little more of the star power. It's it'll be I, I think it's going to be a much different. I think it's going to resemble more of like an old school Big Ten game. Yeah. Well, if Penn State wants to win, it has to. Ohio State's goal should be to open it up a little more. But, you know, Ryan Day is probably going to, you know, I don't know. Maybe he'll start yelling about how Joe Paterno. Uh, he had a dream that Joe Paterno said yeah. the team was soft, so he'll go after him next. But... Where the where I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right about now. Yeah, <laughs> he's in bed, dude. It's, it's, yes, it's like yeah. ten o'clock. It's, yeah, he's asleep. <laughs> but all right, but I mean, besides that, some big games this weekend. Obviously, Red River rivalry. Uh-huh. Um, Oklahoma. Texas. Yeah, we start for me. Oklahoma, not a team on my radar at all. Beginning of the year squarely in the driver's seat to to make the playoff. Yeah. I mean my my thing is is Oklahoma good enough to finish the season undefeated? Cause that was kind of their first game where they because the reason they weren't higher ranked, I think it got to the point was it was like, oh SMU, they played them, they covered, but like they didn't really do much. They got out gains. They go to Cincinnati. It's like, yeah, they win. They don't cover. They kind of look sloppy. Like all their games were kind of like, yeah, you won, but you haven't played anybody. Then they go on the road, not on the road, but neutral site. They win that game. The rest of their season, they'll be in favored in every game. I think they're going to get caught. And I think we're going to see two one loss teams again, play in Jerry world. Those two teams, maybe another great game. But I think if anything, this just made the playoff picture even more complicated because I think the easiest way to look at this was if Texas won out, they're in. You don't have to worry about any, oh, well, they beat Alabama, Alabama beat like, no, they're just in. And now I think the Big 12 is going to get dragged into a bunch of shit because they legitimately only have two quality teams. So I don't disagree that Oklahoma can get caught, but I almost think it doesn't matter. 
I think the season's going to come down to that last game in Jerry World against Texas. If you win, yeah. you're 13 and 0, you're definitely in. If you trip up to an Oklahoma State in a couple of weeks or Kansas, then but you, you beat go Texas and again, you beat Texas. All right. Two neutral site wins over a top five team who beat Alabama, who's also a top 10 team. You're caught your power five conference champion. Now, maybe there's some weird, this is a weird year where a lot of teams somehow run the table, but I'd be hard pressed to keep out a 12 and one Oklahoma. Um, but you never, you never know if, if Ohio state's sitting there at 11 and one, they might get the nod with the win over Notre Dame and depending what they mm-hmm. do with Michigan, Penn state um, right now, before more teams lose, I think in the big 10, if we're talking two teams, Ohio state would have the best chance to be that second team in because of the Notre because Dame the, win, especially the road win. Yeah. Um, but really back into the big 12, everything's right in front of Oklahoma now. And at the same time, everything's in front of Texas. If they come yeah, back, I think the this 12, was the in. best case scenario. For like more, you'd rather lose if they're going to play again. You and you're going to split. You'd rather lose this weekend. Exactly. And I think, I think the this also opens the door for does someone get Texas and then does Texas get Oklahoma? Like we, if if we if we think like ultimate chaos was opened by this because I think both these teams have the potential to kind of get caught from behind by what maybe a Kansas state or like, I don't know if Baylor's good enough this year, but Texas tech, like Oklahoma there's enough State's of those teams. Good. Yeah. Like there's enough of those teams in the big 12 who are like, yeah, they won seven games, but it's like, yeah, but they gave, you know, I could see Kansas beating Oklahoma. What, what happens if Oklahoma slips up to a Kansas, Texas loses to a Texas tech, and then Texas beats Oklahoma because I don't think Texas is losing Oklahoma twice. So does a one loss Oklahoma non big 12 champ still make the playoff over? Let's say, let's say Ohio state loses to Penn state, but beats Michigan and it's an undefeated Penn state, a one loss Ohio state, Penn state wins the big 10 Ohio state has a win on over, over Notre Dame on the road. Let's say Oklahoma loses but their only loss is to texas so now they're one on one against texas but texas has two losses like i think this opened up like the can of chaos on the big 12 in college football and i think that most of that was going to be expected to come from the pac 12 this year or the big 10 like i thought that everyone's lives are going to be made easy by texas and florida state winning out and georgia at least two of those three teams and now the Big 12's throwing their hat in the ring. Who knows? Maybe Florida State gets got. And then it's like, okay, we got to figure out between two Big 10s and a Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC, we got to get this down to three because it looks like Georgia's just going to finish off this season. Not to mention, it's obviously improbable, but schedulistically possible that we have, a at the end of the year, we have a 12-0 and Florida State. We have a 12 and 0 North Carolina and we have a 12 and 0 Louisville. Yeah, cuz they don't play This each is other. possible. And it won't happen. I'm telling you it won't happen. But if it does what I that would be the be, that would be ultimate ultimate chaos cuz then how do you rank team like I don't know how you do it. 
because there's going to be there's going to be need to be a three-way tiebreaker that two teams go to the ACC championship but that leaves an undefeated team out of it but like Louisville could go undefeated so like undefeated Louisville with a win over Notre Dame versus a one loss Ohio State with a road win over Notre Dame how do you weigh those two like it's harder to win on the road but you lost a game but it's like Louisville didn't play anybody because they didn't even play Florida State or UNC it's like Ohio State might have a loss to Michigan. Let's say it's by like three in overtime. What if Michigan ends number one? Like, I think this just, I think all these things are slowly building up to make this like, I think everyone's saying like, oh, if only we had the 12 team this year. Like, I'm kind of like on the other side. I'm like, no, like this makes it so much more exciting because there's less room for error. Like if Ohio State lost to Michigan and it was a 12 team and Oklahoma beats, you know, Texas. It's like, okay, yeah. well, Wait, then all, then all these teams are in. All these all teams, teams are in. And then it's, it's like, come, yeah. So I think yeah. I think this is going to be super fun. I think it's going to be a great way to close out the four team. Uh, any quick hits from well, last? I feel like the I have to talk about Miami and yeah. what happened there with uh, Cristobal and, and not mm-hmm. need. It's like obviously great recruiter, great coach, Miami back top 20. That's like a fireable offense. Yeah. There, there is losing to Georgia Tech. No matter how you do it, could be considered fireable. The fashion and the the it was on him. There's no excuse. Exactly. And online, you see some people are are saying it's just as much as this in sports talk radio. Just as much as it's on Cristobal, they're saying it's on the defense giving up 70 yards in two plays. If you're a defender and you look up at the clock, you're go- you take your helmet off. You go all right, we're taking a knee, it's over. And then your coach is grabbing you saying like, get back out there. You're like, what is going on? I I don't blame The guy the was also down on the fumble. That was the funniest part. The guy was like clearly down on the fumble. Yeah, I mean, oh my God. It's sickening. If that happened to my team, I, it, it might I'd be still be my losing life. my mind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another funny thing is, Ohio State number one number one player in the country, Jeremiah Smith. I don't know if you've seen some of his highlights have been around on social media. He's committed to Ohio State. He's from South Florida. He's been visiting some of the schools in Florida. You know that's how kids are. You know recruiting's different nowadays. He was at the game at Miami when that happened, and there was like so many Ohio State people tweeting like, "Well, don't have to worry about Cristobal because you know he's he's so well regarded in recruiting that like people were saying like." Could Jeremiah Smith end up there? You know, like blah, 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 which, you know, recruiting such a crapshoot, maybe it will never matter. But I just thought that was funny. It's like you're hosting the number one recruit in the country on your campus. He's already committed somewhere else. And that's what happens. Like one of the worst losses in program history. And uh, the stuff videos came out. This ta- this isn't the first time it's happened to Cristobal. Exactly. Where they, they ran the ball and they fumbled. They fortunately didn't lose that game. But I mean, you gotta learn your lesson before it comes back to bite you in the ass. Yeah, that's. I mean, he just seems like one of those guys who, uh, he just does things his way, which, like all college coaches do, you know, it's you need a certain mindset to be successful. That can also be the detriment. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, anything else from college? Oh, Georgia looked great. I mean, you know, Alabama A and M was a fun game, but I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think both either of those teams are great. Alabama's defense is awesome, but their offense just isn't there. Yeah. Um, the only ta- other takeaway I have, which can by kind of be a segue into this week, there are two really good teams in the Pac-12 
and it's not USC. Yeah. They started the year at four or five and they've won every week and they're down to number 10. They are just not, they, they play offense. That's what they do. They don't play defense. They were losing to Arizona state in the second half. Arizona takes them to triple overtime. They struggle in these games. I'm happy. I'm very happy that the Pac-12 is competitive this year because I don't see any world where USC uh, ends up winning, being a one-loss champ or undefeated champ. Because if the Pac-12 had a down year, we'd would have we'd be subject to watching this horrible defense, Lincoln Riley, again in the playoffs. And we're not going to get that because I think both Oregon and Washington are better uh, than USC are. And they play this weekend, which is game of the week for sure, top 10 matchup. Yeah, that's going to be, I mean, USC, I wish Arizona won. I think it's just like a, it's about time they're going to lose. I, there's no way they go undefeated. I don't think if they do, that would be insane, but then they would just lose in the playoffs. So I don't think they can win a national championship as long as they don't fix something there, but Oregon and Washington, like I'm really interested to see, like, obviously Oregon, the big game so far, they destroyed Colorado. We've since seen, you know, Colorado, they had the comeback against USC, but we know USC can't stop anyone. They barely beat Arizona State. You know, like they don't have Travis Hunter. They're they're a mediocre team. So Oregon really hasn't played anybody. I mean, Washington, they destroyed Michigan State. Michigan State sucks. Like neither of these teams have done anything of like significant consequence yet, but they've looked super impressive while beating up on like mm-hmm. still, you know, division one power five teams, just not elite ones. So I'm really interested where push comes to shove because you have Washington's high flying spread you out almost like air raid style system with Michael Penix against Oregon. Who's, you know, Dan Lanning's known for defense, but then they have their, you know, yards after catch based short, you know, completions offense with Bo Nix. Like it's a very interesting contrast of styles. Um, And I honestly have no idea who's going to win this game. Uh, It's going to be Visually, I'm looking up, looking for signs. My Marcus Mariota Oregon jersey is glistening in the closet. Um, this is going to be an all-time uniform matchup if we get the green on the purple. It's going to yep. look fantastic. Uh, this is going to be this is uh this is the first real uh like Pac-12 game with any of these three these like I feel like there's two tiers in the Pac-12. There's USC, Oregon, Washington. Mm-hmm. Then there's like honestly a middle tier of like, that's just Utah. Who's like, mm-hmm. they're good. If, if you have to go there, you're going to lose. Um, and then there's uh, Washington state, U- uh, UCLA and Oregon state. And this is the first time we get any of those top teams playing another one of the top teams before. Uh, I think they all like play each other. They each have like five ranked games this year. So the gauntlet starts now and whoever wins, this is going to be in the, uh, in the driver's seat. And it's going to be, I feel like whoever wins might might also come out and be on top of the Heisman odds, but should be great. I, I would like to lean more toward Oregon. I think they're more complete, and I uh, I cringe even saying that I trust Bo Nix because he's burned me so many times, and I've seen him play, and I can't get the images of him at Auburn out of my head, but I trust Bo Nix more than I trust Michael Penix. Um, so this is another great story of the transfer portal. Indiana and uh, – yep. And Auburn, and Auburn to to out to state keeping it in the Big Ten with with Washington and Oregon. Yeah, I mean all around like just super awesome like three thirty spot too. Like 
I know people probably want this one in prime time, but like, I think that's such a good time to like, whether you're not like, if you're like a casual college football fan versus like a diehard, like I personally always feel like I lock it way more into the three thirty game, no matter who it is. Unless my team is playing at that time more than the night game, because like, if Ohio State's playing at night, that consumes me. If it's not Ohio State playing at night, I'm usually out. It's in the background on a bar, like not super, super paying attention unless it's like an awesome game. But like if it's 330, I'm probably watching the beginning of it after the noon slate, you know, at someone's place at a bar. But like it's more low key at that time of day. You're watching pretty intently. It's rolling you into the evening, you know you're catching like the end of the game. Everyone's kind of into it. And then you go have your Saturday night. Like, I think this is going to be a perfect, perfect spot for the PAC 12, not doing the after dark. Maybe you get a few people, a few casuals hooked into it, and then they can fall off the rest of the, the final PAC 12 season. That's going to be super entertaining. But yeah, I think this is, this is the game of the year so far for sure. So I, hopefully it lives up to it. Yeah. I think three thirty is the perfect time. Exactly. I mean, that's I my favorite so spot. many, so many memories of even when you're in when you're in uh either in college, you go you go out during the day, you regroup, you get food, and it's the mm-hmm. it's the fourth quarter. Even when you're in high school, you're out doing something in the morning, you have a baseball, fall ball, baseball game, you come back before you go out to dinner, it's it's the end of the game. Uh it, it's like there's nothing else really to like that six to eight o'clock hour is definitely more open on a Saturday night than right in the morning or or at night. So I'm ready mm-hmm. to, to sink my teeth into that game because I really haven't had the opportunity to watch either of those two teams play a ton because they typically are playing later, uh, even pr- eight o'clock or even like 1030 out in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's like the big college football game this week. USC Notre Dame is worth mentioning. Both of those teams played bad last week. So it's kind of like a Notre Dame's the favorite. They're at home. I think they can win. Um, I'll probably, I'll definitely have a pick on that game. I just love don't know. Who it I is love yet. Notre Dame in that spot. I like, I'm leading Notre Dame um, coming off a loss. Their team Hartman's a guy that's not going to like waver after a loss. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we saw it with the Duke game. They lose a really heartbreaking game to Ohio State. They go on the road. They beat Duke. Louisville got the best of them. It might have been like a too many in a row thing, but I think they're going to win. Um, that'll be the end of USC, but uh, yeah. those are like the two big games. On like USC Saturday. just can't keep skating by. Um, mm-hmm. But if we're talking Pac-12 tiers, like I said earlier, we do have U- UCLA, Oregon State, UCLA, mm-hmm. uh Pac-12 analyst Aaron Chris told me today when we were making some picks that he had the best, the best offense, their best defense in the country, and mm-hmm. Oregon State, my Beavers, who I have a couple futures on, put up 52 last week. So, uh, who knows what that's going to be like? But that's going to be another good measuring stick game in the Pac-12 because whoever wins that game, I think both teams already have a loss: Utah to UCLA yeah. to Utah and and Oregon State to to Washington State. And if you UCLA want to make the, just beat Washington, they're all going to beat each other. If, yeah. So if you want to make, I think one of these, these teams both will have a chance to make the PAC 12 championship game, mm-hmm. but not if they lose this weekend, you yeah. got to take care of business in those tier two teams. And then you got to win your rivalry game against Oregon. If you're Oregon state and you want a chance to play in Vegas uh, first weekend in December. Yeah. So, I mean, 
every single week we're going to have at least one good Pac-12 game the way the conference is set up this year, at least one intriguing one because at worst case scenario, Colorado will be involved in something. Um, but yeah, I think outside of that, pretty interesting weekend just because there's two pretty good games. Uh, but the real real meat and potatoes, Penn State, Ohio State next week, and I would, I would, would wager we have at least 30 to 45 minutes talking about that on next week's episode. Yeah. But this week, our NFL teams match up. Now, this one is not worth that amount of time. It might not even be worth 10 minutes, but I'm going to say this right now. The Jets have looked a lot better the last two weeks. They're one and one over that stretch. You could argue they should be two and oh, but doesn't really matter. They've hung really tight this year with the Super Bowl champion and the Bills, who are considered to be if not that tier the tier below they're at home the eagles are five and oh the jets are going into a bye nothing to lose game the jets are 0 and 12 all time against the eagles mark sanchez will be calling the game oh former jet and eagle former eagle yeah sanchez (laughs) first ever jets game he will ever be calling after leading them to two straight afc championship games to start his career career fell apart a little bit still beloved in the Jets community. Now that we've kind of let the time erode away, everything that happened after 2010 and 11 or 09 and 10. Um, But I think this is like a sneaky spot for the Jets. Um, I don't, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is like a shocker. Um, yeah. I think that how, where the Eagles, the Eagles have not really put together four quarters of, Great football. They mm-hmm. played really well in the second half. Defense played really well against the Rams, um, but they've struggled against against some other teams. The front, the 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 defensive line is great. The yeah. defensive line is going to get home. Jalen Carter is awesome. He's unbelievable. Him being the ninth pick is we're going to look back and be it's how, it's how literally criminal him. is why yeah. he's the ninth pick. It's yeah, it's, it is criminal. criminal. <laughs> it's literally criminal that he went ninth. Um, but. I think with that, with the defensive front, how you saw the Rams move the ball against the Eagles, it was balls out in a, in a second and a half to Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Uh, I don't know if Zach Wilson is going to be capable to to deal like that I, and, and, yeah. make those big th- <laughs> and make those throws quickly because Brees Hall, I love Brees Hall. He was incredible last week. I don't think we're going to have the same performance uh, mm-hmm. again against this defensive line. I think the Eagles defense lends them to being a little bit more exposed in the air. Jefferson had a good game when we played the Bucks, um, or when we played the Vikings, when we played the Bucks, it wasn't, uh, that game was really rainy, but like Mike Evans, if he didn't drop three balls, would have had like 150 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but I think the matchup leans toward the Eagles and this Eagles team seems pretty uh, focused and, they know, I think, that in the back of their mind, the gauntlet coming up is so crazy after this week that they almost have to start 6-0 and to give themselves a is chance. Is there a chance a little bit of a look ahead to the night game against Miami coming I up? I don't think so. Okay. I, I'm I grasping so. at straws. Although that game, which I guess we can, we'll can, we we'll be able to talk about next week, the two uh, Jalen stories mm-hmm. are going to be – if you don't know the story, don't even bother learning about it because you're going to hear it a thousand times yep. next Sunday. <laughs> Um, but no, I don't think, I feel like NFL is not a big look ahead. There aren't as many look ahead games. 
compared to yeah. college. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely there's definitely been worse spots, but my uh, the last piece of logic is: is there anything that makes you think that when the Jets got those penalties against them in the Taylor Swift game, the NFL was like, "Hey, we'll throw you a bone. We'll let you beat the Super Bowl runner-ups instead of the champs." No, I think it's more that it's like any, it's like a, any given, it's like a, any given Sunday. If the Eagles lose, yeah, it'll be exactly. because there's professional guys on both sides. We've seen a lot of upsets um, this year, like teams who are, unless there's your really bad team, um, which there are. And a the couple Jets just really, lost their best offensive really linemen. So yeah, but I mean, they they hung tough last week, got a win. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it could be a good a good game for the Jets too to see how competitive can they really be the rest of the way. Yep, a hundred percent. This is a measuring stick game. Um, the Cowboys game went really poorly. I guess you could call that one a measuring stick game, but the O line just couldn't help up. But as I said, they, they played the Chiefs really tough. They played the Bills really tough. Both of those at home. This one at home, not in prime time like those two, but. Um, I think this is going into the bye. I think this is a type of game that you look at where you're like Zach Wilson over 70% completion in the last two games, one, one game, almost one another, like, can he keep it rolling? If not, do you make a call to Minnesota? I don't think so, but at least the season is back to being interesting for the jets. And I think if they could somehow win this game, you go three and three in the bye week with the second half schedule they have, and it goes from interesting to, okay, we're expecting to make the playoffs now. So we'll see. Should be fun regardless. I know you're going to be there. Um, And I think by then, the last possible game for the Phillies is Saturday, right? Yep. So by the time we record again, the series will be over. It'll be Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So I'll be on pins and needles. That'll make my Saturday a lot more interesting if the Phillies are playing. I really hope they're not. So I can just watch Mm -hmm. college football and, and the Phillies just take care of business at home. Um, but that's that's uh Eagles Jets. That's it for Eagles Jets, I think. What other anything else big coming up this week or games that happened this weekend? Um, yeah, NFL wise, I mean, the the 49ers are the 49ers. I think Dak Prescott proved once again that he might not just be he, he's like more towards the I see. I think there was a time where people thought he was closer to like what Jalen Hurts is now, you know, like. Very, very good quarterback on a very good offense that like is pulling all the right strings and might not be that super elite level like a Mahomes or those guys, but like closer to that than what I think he actually is, which is like a Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. So I think that was if you want to call it a revelation, I don't think it was anything. The Steelers beat the Ravens. Those games just take the underdog. I think the Steelers like the underdog. Yeah, if I was a Steelers fan right now, and I've talked about this with some of our Steeler friends, is, and it sounds so dumb, but it's probably because I grew up a Jets fan and they were never, you know, after 2010, 11, they were never good. But I almost would not want to be winning these games because the only way you get the offensive coordinator fired and some real change and a real quarterback, because Pickett doesn't seem like he's it, and like start to make some changes to go along with this defense is if you get to a point where you can make those changes. Like if they keep winning eight games and barely missing the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to make changes. And that's not a team that can do anything of consequence. If you ask me, mediocrity is the worst place to be in the NFL. But then again, you do get to, you know, winning a game on Sunday is awesome. Like it's one of the, it's the hardest sport to like root for a tank in because like NBA, you could turn it off, you know, and you just hope you get the next, you just go watch college basketball. 
the NFL, like you're going to be watching once a week. So like if there's pushback on that take, I totally get it. Um, yeah. That being said, I think they're on the bye this week, but that being said, I think that's like a interesting spot next time they play bet against them. Uh, CJ Stroud almost led a game winning drive. I actually really like them this week against new Orleans who just beat up on the Patriots. Cause the only well, team, although, I like, be- I feel like he, he did right. Like he, he led the game winning drive. It was yeah. the def- the defense. Like he's, I could say I was wrong about CJ. I was, I was, I didn't think he was going to be bad. I had no idea he'd be this good. Already. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to be one of the worst quarterbacks in this uh, class, which he seems like he's the best. So. Yeah, I thought he was going to be more golf like. It seems like he's closer to that burrow type where it's like there's just something extra there with the way they read the defense that yeah, they might not make plays out of structure and be these Mahomes Allen types, but like they're they're just elite level. Their reading of the defense, their accuracy, their ability to push the ball down the field, all that just makes up for anything they don't have in terms of speed, off-platform power, all that kind of stuff. Um but I think they're going to beat New Orleans this week because I think the only team left that Bill Belichick can beat is the Jets. Like, they beat the Jets at home. Yeah, the Jets played that game scared. They looked totally different the last two weeks, but I just think the season's over for New England. I think they should be tanking. Um, there's not too much else to hit on. I mean, the NFL, like, it's it's so, like like we I, said, any given Sunday, like, you you can't like teams start to separate themselves like it's it's becoming clear again like the bills slipped up again like i think the afc is just going to be the chiefs against whoever like within that tier whoever's of, the hottest and puts it together yep it's whoever's the hottest and puts together against the chiefs which it's like is it going to be the bills do the Bengals get back on track does deshaun watson get to the browns to a point where their defense because they're the best defense in the league probably and then the the nfc is just the 49ers and the Eagles are on a fucking war path to each other. And if you're the 49ers, it's we didn't have Brock Purdy healthy in the game last year. And if it's the Eagles, it's yeah, because we fucking annihilated him on the first drive and he couldn't play. And it's you're on a war path to each other. The 49ers have looked better, but the Eagles destroyed them last year. It might not have even mattered if Purdy played. And that's good. If that's not the NFC championship, Holy shit, did we have a fun playoffs? Because that means someone beat one of those two teams in some miracle game. Yeah, or it means that maybe the Cowboys put it together, win the division, and the Eagles end up having to play the 49ers earlier. Um, mm-hmm. But there are already two games happen. back. Which is, yeah, that's, they, that's... yeah, they got them twice. The Eagles, I know I'm probably more in touch with the Eagles' schedule than you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Uh, but coming up, it's they have the Jets this week. Then the stretch after that is Miami, Washington, who's given them problems, Mm -hmm. uh, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys again, and the Seahawks. All playoff teams from last year. All teams that are over 500 and look competent this year. So uh, my prediction for the Eagles is that they – I think they get out of that stretch. It's like seven games, either prop like five and two probably, just because I do think that they are uh, a little bit better. I think they lose to actually I'm going to say I think they're going to lose to San Francisco and Seattle and they'll beat the Bills, the Chiefs cuz the Chiefs game will be I personal. think you definitely split the second Cowboys game and the Niners game. I think you win one of those and it's either a letdown and the Cow- spot yeah, it could the be Cowboys. the Cowboys so probably 4 and 3 or 5 and 3 in that stretch. Yep. Um I do think Imagine if Rodgers was healthy cuz then that becomes an eight game stretch. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, that's why it was so important to, to start hot. But season prediction, I think the Eagles are going to lose to the 49ers this year, regular season, and then they're going to play them in the NFC Championship, and they're just going to stomp them. They're going to go out to Santa Clara and stomp them. Uh, but talk like Brock Purdy, I'll be the first Brock Purdy hater. He's been great. Um, I think we might be heading in the NFL toward a theme where you need either a top five game winning quarterback, someone like obviously Mahomes or like Burroughs gotten there. Uh, Hertz has gotten there. I think Lamar's really good. Like maybe he's like right on the front. Herbert's awesome. There. Herbert's get, Herbert, Herbert gets underrated. I think. Cause, yeah. Cause they can't, they can't put a good game plan together, but outside of like five or six guys, I'd rather have CJ Stroud right now than Daniel Jones. And we're, I'm not talking long-term I'm talking. If you're making a team for one year, I'd rather have CJ Stroud for a million against the, he Cowboys. might be a top 10 quarterback by the end of this year. And I think that says a lot more about the second tier of quarterbacks than yeah. even how good he is. I, I mean, the Daniel Jones contract looks worse and worse. Every snap, every yeah. snap. And we talked about it last week. It's such I would, and I'll say it again, I would rather have a guy who sucks and it's obvious than have a dude who lingers around and is just good enough to get you to mediocrity because then you're going to have to pay him or you lose the locker room. Or you get in that Jared Goff situation where you pay him, he falls off, and then you got to give him draft capital to get your guy. I mean, if I'll be honest. So you mentioned that, and I think it brings up an interesting conversation. And This is like a classic all-time, like, sports bar conversation. I had it two weeks ago with my friends again. If you're drafting the entire league for a franchise going forward, so contracts matter, age matters, all this injury history, all of this, where does Shanahan go? And I think he's a top 10 pick because there's no, he, yeah, he can't get hurt. He is, his age doesn't really matter. And he like, those are two of the biggest variables. His contract doesn't go against your cap. I think you obviously take Mahomes one. You're probably going to take all those quarterbacks, you know, Mahomes, Burrow. I think does does Shanahan go ahead of Lamar, Jalen Hurts, like those guys? Well, uh, if it, yeah, it depends on this, like Lamar or Hurts still on his rookie deal, I think last year. On his no, he's Hurts is on his current contract. Yeah. So, and uh, you got to think if you're getting a guy on his rookie deal, like even if you're going to take like, you probably take CJ Stroudish ahead of Shanahan because he looks this good with four years of cheap control ahead of him. But like, if you take a guy who's on his rookie deal, let's say like a, like a Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is due for an extension after next season is his fifth year option. Yeah. So you have two more cheap years to build a team around him, or you give it to Shanahan and you're like, you, if we give you enough pieces, you can win with Brock Purdy. Like, I think, I think Shanahan might be like the, he is definitely a top 32 asset in the league. That's no questions asked. I think there might be, I'd say probably there's 10, there's probably 10 quarterbacks you'd take in front of him. Once you consider age contract and all that, because you got, you want like Anthony Richardson probably goes above him just because you have five years of him on the cheap. He's, you know, if you get him with Shanahan somehow, it's awesome, but. A guy like Aaron Donald, maybe not anymore because of his age, but like Micah Parsons probably goes above him. Nick Bosa might go sure. above him. TJ Watt. Yeah, but then it's like, would you rather have 
I don't know, like Justin Jefferson or Kyle Shanahan. I'd rather have Kyle Shanahan. It's a lot easier to get like as good as Justin Jefferson is. There's more Justin Jefferson types in the league than there are Kyle Shanahan's. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, I think I agree with you. He's what he's been able to do with Brock Purdy is incredible. Um, which probably just goes to show even more how bad Trey Lance was in, tra- in camp. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude played nine games since high school and was was picked top three. It was it was ridiculous. Um, but I think we're heading toward a quarterback world where if you don't have a top five guy, you want you want a rookie guy. Like if yep. Daniel Daniel, would you rather have for the rest of the like going into an off season next off season with Daniel Jones, two more years making forty million? Would you rather have him or Michael Penix? Yeah, I'd rather have Penix because at least it's like the family guy thing. It's like the mystery box. It's like, would you rather have the boat or the mystery box? It's like, I'd rather have the mystery box because it could be a boat. But it's like, well, Daniel Jones sucks. We know he sucks. Like, if Penix sucks, that's fine. Yeah, he just sucks for cheap. He sucks for less. And then if he sucks, you run it back again. Like, if I was, if I was like an NFL guy, I would do so. Zach Wilson's a perfect example. Mac Jones is a good example. I mean, fuck Justin Fields. Take a guy, give him till year three. Because we're seeing all these guys like Fields is starting to show a little something. Zach Wilson last two games has looked better. Um, Mac Jones has looked worse. Trevor Lawrence is an elite level guy. We can tell that already. He's been he's he's kind of graduating from that. Trey Lance, his team's gone. Give a guy till year three. If you think that he's not the answer, draft someone else or sign someone else in year four and see if you can get rid of him for something. Because by the time you get to year four, you put yourself square in a position where this is where Daniel Jones was, where, okay, after the after year three, you have to make a decision on whether or not you pick up the fifth-year option. If you decline the fifth-year option, I don't think you can start them in year four. Because then you no longer control them on the cheap. And if they have a one-off good year like Daniel Jones, you have to pay them. And they've already proven to you for three years that they weren't good enough to sign up for a fifth-year option. So I think it's three years and done. Because you put yourself in a situation like the Giants where it's like, oh, he had a good year. It's like, yeah, now he makes $40 million. I would have, If I was a Giants fan, I would have way rather sucked last year or been mediocre. Let's say you bring in Jacoby Brissett and you're mediocre and you barely miss the playoffs rather than Daniel Jones, you win a playoff game then have to deal with you. You cannot escape Daniel Jones. Now he, he is at least he's your quarterback for at least this year and the next one. Yeah. Uh, he, and he's, he's just not like the line is terrible. Partly because the whole team is terrible, to, uh, but he's bad too. He's yes. And I don't know when we're going to start having some hard conversations about Brian Dable after everybody w- was ready to anoint him to be the next great coach. This is like Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky all over again. One, they're one half away. We've played 10 games. If you count nine halves, they haven't scored an offensive touchdown. They haven't scored an offensive touchdown in four out of five games. They haven't had an offensive snap with the lead one time. The only team in the league. And they're a miracle comeback away against Arizona from being in dead last and being right on track for a top, they're going to be picking in the top five. So then it's going to be, they probably do draft a quarterback, pay Daniel Jones for another year, but then the locker room gets turned upside down. 
somebody said when Daniel Jones got drafted that it would set the Giants back seven years, and everybody, all our Giant fan friends, were saying that's r- ridiculous. Oh my god! Well, here we are. What is it? Six mm-hmm. years later, and you have the the bottom three record in the NFL since he's been drafted. And it's one bad year, you beat the Vikings. Like that was you, probably yeah. really fun. I would love to win a one playoff, playoff game win. again. But like, if one that costs win. you ten years. It's like Mark Sanchez. Yeah. But Mark Sanchez went to two AFC championship games and had some amazing playoff wins. Yeah. And they moved on from him. But regardless. I mean, it started with Purdy. If Purdy gets paid, I think that would be very bad for the 49ers. And I think this is the problem now. Quarterback does not exist. If quarterback existed like any other position, it would be perfectly normal just to move on. But there's something about that position and what it's it means face. to a locker room. It's the face of a franchise. Think think about it like this. If the Jets, so the Jets have Brees Hall right now, right? Brees Hall rocks. Brees Hall won you a lot of money, won me yep. a lot of money. He did He is awesome. If Brees Hall gets to year four of his contract and he shows any signs of even slowing down a little bit or has another major injury, the Jets will swap him out for another running back drafted between rounds probably two through two or three given how much they value the position and that player will probably produce to at least 70% of what Brees Hall would have done for the next two years, instead of paying him for a much cheaper price and the locker room will be pissed. They'll love Brees, but they'll move on. If that was Brock Purdy, you almost need to sign the guy like a Jared Goff. You need to sign him, then him prove he sucks and then need to offload a first round pick to get rid of him to then go back into the pool there's I, there's something about quarterback that does not let you keep running through. It's almost like like the Baker Mayfield Browns thing. The Browns would not have gotten away with getting rid of Baker and upgrading to Deshaun Watson if Baker didn't kind of fall off that last year. They would have had no choice to pay him. And the Watson thing hasn't worked out perfect. But I actually do give that front office a lot of credit because Baker won them their first playoff game ever since they came back to the league. And they saw an opportunity to upgrade with elite position players around. And they went for it. Now, they probably went for the wrong guy for a million reasons. He didn't want to go there, so they had to give him a contract he didn't deserve. And they gave a boatload of picks. So maybe they went for it too much. But that philosophy, I think, is the right way to think about quarterback. And I just don't think the league league agrees. And it's because a lot of things are outside the lines. It's because if you miss, it looks so much worse. Yep. If Eagles let Miles Sanders work, Miles Sanders is great. If you miss and Kenny Gainwell sucks, you can go and plug another guy. And guess what? You're not going to lose a game because you had a downgrade at running back. Very few. There's very few guys that have that impact. Um, Quarterback, if Jalen Hurts came to the end of his deal and they're like, oh, we really like Anthony Richardson. We're going to go get Anthony Richardson because we think he can be Jalen Hurts. It's like, well, if it doesn't work out, then that is the difference between winning and losing. And it is the guy who has the ball every play. And it makes just a bigger difference. So I think that's part of it, but it's going to be interesting who the first team is who thinks that if it's like, Hey, 49ers, we just want a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. And you're looking at the off season. Hmm, we can either give Brock Purdy this max because he won Super Bowl MVP, or we can let him walk, try to go find somebody else and keep Bosa, Kittle and Samuel. It's like, well, hmm, it's a little bit causation and correlation. If you if if it's all about who's easier to replace, and 
I think the 49ers have a lot of guys that are hard to replace. Yep. Exactly. Well, we'll start to see this shake out more and more as the season goes along. Um, I don't know if you have anything that's screaming to you for your card right now. Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Apologies for not getting the graphic out Friday. Um, ended up having to work earlier and later than I expected and just didn't get around to it. But, of course, the weekend I don't put it out. Had my best weekend on college football of the year. Um, one, one, pretty much every big bet I placed, one huge on Georgia, one huge on UCLA, one big on Arizona State, pushed on the Buckeyes, which you oh, know, and I lost and I took Maryland. That's yeah. So I, I had 20, and you know, it is what it is. But uh NFL week went mediocre, uh, which it has been going up and down this year. We'll have the card out Thursday before the game kicks off. Um, I'll just say right now, I think I like Notre Dame. I'm probably gonna take the Jets. Um, I like the Houston Texans. There's a handful of other stuff. It all come out on the card. Dom, anything from you before we head out? Yeah, big college games. Love Notre Dame. Love them. I liked them last week. They lost, so I love them this week. Uh, I'm going to go Oregon-Washington over. I don't even know what the number is, but that's what I'm going to be rooting for. I think that game is going to be high-flying, high-scoring. Oregon State is going to cover the three-and-a-half against UCLA. Big game for for eight and a, over eight and a half wins for the Beavers. Big game if they want to have a chance to maybe make a run at the Pac-12 championship. Um, and uh, I think that's it. I'm probably going to bet on Penn State to cover whatever the line is against UMass. Um, NFL, I like the Texans too. I like the Eagles, obviously. Um, I'll be on the right side of a touchdown. And that's those are the those are the things that I love. I'm sure I'm going to have have more by the time we get to the game. Oh, and uh, Philly's money line and Philly's win the series, both plus odds. Uh, you get Philly's plus 130, I think, for tomorrow. Um, and the Braves haven't even named a starter yet, so I think that's a great bet. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I like. All right. Sounds good, Dom. I will, uh, I'll catch you at the next water break.